Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Well... Again, hey, it's uh, it's good to be with you this week. We've got some uh, we've got a tough topic to dive into today. Sometimes it's a little bit lighter, sometimes it's uh, heavier. But today's definitely a heavier topic. Uh, but it's an important one, and it's all it's all about uh, sexual assault and the survivors that go through that, and what we can do. One is the body of Christ, but also two is as people involved in uh, legislature uh, and what like government. What you can do, what we can do collectively to help protect those who uh, have gone through that and, and and walk with them in their hurt and their pain and, and really kind of maybe stop it even before it happens if we if we're if we're fortunate enough to be able to to do that so we have in the studio with us we have Carissa Seekman and uh, say hi Carissa hi. yep, and, yep. <laughs> and then Alyssa Van Netter uh, is that how you say your last name Van Vector Van Vector Van Vector <laughs> You have a hard name, too. Yeah, Van Vector. <laughs> Alyssa Van Vector, and you're with Not Today. Uh, so thank you both for joining us. Um, we just kind of want to hear your stories and then hear how we can get, get involved and help um, you do what you do because you both are doing amazing work. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Why, share your story and, and sure. share a little bit about what brought you here. Well, um, I am a sexual assault survivor, and um, this happened about 20 years ago. Um, on my senior trip of high school, um, it was something that we planned at the end of the year and all the seniors go and, you know, go on a big trip. And so it happened there and with a group of, um, boys that I had known since I was in seventh grade. So we went on this, um, cruise, this booze cruise and everybody, you know, I was 18 and it was Bahamas. And so, uh, the cool thing to do was you get to drink when you're 18, so that sounded great, right? Like, <laughs> so we're like, it's going to be the best trip ever. We get to drink. And so... Nothing bad will happen. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up talking to my parents to let us go stay um, with our friends. And so we went on the booze cruise all day. And we were Did you drinking. say it was in the Bahamas? Yeah. Your parents let you go all the way to the Bahamas? Well, no, they were on another island and this was in Nassau. So oh, we were like okay, gotcha. across the island. So you weren't like in Indianapolis and they're like, yeah, sure, go to Bahamas. No, we'll, no. We'll see you when you They get were back. an island over. Okay. <laughs> what kind of life do you <laughs> It's like, I'm going to be <laughs> on the next island. I live in Noblesville. I know. So. <laughs> well, I didn't pay for it. My parents paid for it. So um, so we went. My parents let us go. And um, it was this big boat, lots of drinking. I mean, some of the parents were there, the adults. Um, what, what do you call them? Like, chaperones. Chaperones. Um, and then there's music and there's party and there's dancing. So you do that all day. And then um, towards the end of the day, um, everyone else was like, we're going back out again. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go back out. I'm like, I drank way too much and I should probably head in. And so I asked, um, one of the, the young men that, um, that I knew, I said, Hey, can I get your key? And I'll go to bed. You guys can all go stay back out. So, um, I went to sleep and, um, Apparently what had happened is he came in and invited a bunch of people in the room. And so um, he raped me and then other people were there doing other things to me. And then they recorded it and they videotaped the whole thing. Oh, oh my God. And um, wow. now this was, 
I mean, so they recorded it, but this was probably before like phone. I mean, you said 25 years ago, roughly? About 20 years ago. Okay. So we all were just getting phones like okay. within the couple of years of that time frame. Because okay. I think I had a phone at like 16 or 17. So yeah. I just turned 18. So it was right around then. But they had like those video cameras. Like, it was like a camcorder. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the big 80s one, okay. but it was like right. the smaller one. So they did that. And, um, and I don't remember that night, but I the one flashback that I do remember is just my head smashing against the wall and the headboard mm. falling on my head. So that's the one flashback that kind of likes to, you know. Haunt was there you, was there justice? I mean, did I mean did that did that play out in the legal system at all, or kind of like what what happened yeah. after that? I it's kind of complicated because then I try to remember everything, and at the time. Um, it was just kind of a confusing time um, for me mentally, like w- realizing what had happened and then remembering parts of it, but not remembering all of it. And then just the surrounding, like what, how people were reacting to the situation. Um, and so I told my parents and then we immediately went down to Methodist and did like a rape. Um, but it was like months after. Okay. Um, so that's not going to help probably you. Didn't, yeah. didn't do anything. Show anything yeah. um, so then... Sorry. Oh, that's fine. My mouth is getting dry. <laughs> so then um, so then we met with uh, detectives and met with the prosecutor. And so they filed a search warrant and they went and got the tape. They went to all of their houses. They went to the school and searched their lockers and we got the tape. Um, and for some reason, they never let me see it. I wanted to see it. Mm. Um, I mean, I kind of didn't want to see it, but I wanted to see it just mm-hmm. to kind of understand because I think sometimes your mind can go kind of crazy. Mm. Um, so they wouldn't let me see it. And then long story short, um, ultimately I was told that, um, the boys, the detective talked to the boys and they said they were sorry. So he handed me a teddy bear and asked me to leave. So it's very, so something doesn't seem right in that situation. Somebody kind of got to him and probably, yeah. But then also the dynamic that it was in Bahamas. And so we were filing with the police down there. Oh, gotcha. And so I think you may have had to prosecute in the Bahamas. Okay. So there's like a lot there that I just can't. And so the, uh, who is the the young lady that went missing uh, uh, and they could never really find the guy who did it, but they had that suspect. Mm-hmm. Um Wait, what was her, what was her name? But it was, name, but it was a it was a national news yeah. story for yeah. a long, long time. But that was a similar type situation where it was like it was outside the jurisdiction mm-hmm. of the United States, and that was what was so frustrating. Is that yeah. everyone was like, "This guy did it. Right. We know it. Right. Let's you know bring justice down on him." And uh, and never you know never really happened. Yeah. So yeah. So aside from all that, um, you know, I've done a many many years of therapy and. Um, ended up having, I have three kids and then my last one was a daughter. And then I felt like, oh my gosh, I need to get my crap together because I was kind of mentally all over the place. So that was kind of the first wake up call. And then, um, and so I was starting to get better and healing and God really walked me through everything. He delivered me from a lot of things. And then he also taught me and walked me through Mm. healing as well. Well, then um, I found out that my sister, because I have sisters that are twins that are 20 years younger than me. So then I found out that she was assaulted in Carmel on the Monon Trail in broad daylight. Good grief. Wow. So, and then a year after that, because I remember my mom calling me and 
she couldn't, like, I could just hear her breathing. And I was like, okay, I'm hopping in the car, heading down there. And because I helped raise them, like, when they were born, I was 20. And so, um, so they're like my, they're, we're super close. And then last summer, we were having this big, you know, costume kind of fun get together, party, whatever. And um, my kids were waiting for her and they all dressed up. I think it was like an 80s party. And so she was going to be something and my kids were waiting for her. And then I got a phone call that uh, she was in the hospital because she tried to kill herself. Mm. Wow. So wow. I was like, enough. This is enough. Like we, we can't, we need to do something. So that's why I'm here. And then it, and then it sent you, sent you down a path of maybe a, uh, reforming legislation. And we'll mm -hmm. get into that in a little bit, yeah. which I think is very interesting what you're, how the Lord's using this, you know, the Lord says he works all things together for good to those called according to his purpose. Yeah. And even some of the most vile, wicked things in this world, like what you went through and what your sister mm -hmm. went through, he's now, the Lord's using that. And it's going to, um, I, I see it as it's going to bless a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people. And you know, the devil's going to get a black eye when he thought mm -hmm. he wrecked your life. You're, by the power of God, you're going to say, no, you didn't wreck my life. And actually, we're going to turn this around and yeah. set a lot of people free, which is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of setting people free, so then that's where we have Alyssa uh, here. And and Melissa, tell us about what you do and how you kind of are in that same vein in the organization that you're, you're a part of. We'd love to hear more of that. Life Church is coming around, not today as well. And so we're excited to do that. But, uh, but share the passion that you have uh, in this world. Yeah, thank you. So Not Today is a foundation started by the Indianapolis Colts head coach, Frank Reich, and his wife, Linda. And they've traveled the country from East Coast to West Coast, North, South, and they they have three daughters and two granddaughters. And Linda has been exposed to a lot of victims of our survivors, women of sexual assault, all different ages and friends with children that have experienced it. And so she said, you know, I wish that somebody had given me a guide of how to protect my children as we were traveling all around the place. And so she just pray, had been praying for a long time about what kind of ministry they could do here in Indiana when they moved here and uh, came up with Not Today. And one of the first priorities that she had on her list was to make a parent and caregiver guidebook to help parents understand how to protect their children. And so that's um, that's kind of been the formulation of Not Today. It's only been around for a couple of years. And I just got involved this summer. I come from a background of education and worked with um, alternative high school students in Hamilton County and greater Indianapolis and have seen and walked kids through experiences of sexual assault and, and just all kinds of different things they've been through. And so when I found out about the position, it made sense to me to apply for it. It's something I've been passionate about as being a, a child advocate for my whole life and being in education. So... So that's kind of how I got started. But Not Today is a beautiful ministry. It is a foundation that was created for um, awareness, prevention, and restoration of child sexual abuse, exploitation, and trafficking. Mm. So we exist to protect and serve children and um, really help them cherish childhood. And we we believe that adults should be there to protect children and not to... Um, you know, sexually assault children and traffic them. And so we're there to do all kinds of things. We are not a direct service provider, but we do protect, uh, we do, I'm sorry, not protect, but help service providers. And we also are there to help law enforcement, education, healthcare, any way that we can, legislation to really help 
uh, with getting uh, in front of people and helping them to understand the magnitude of the issue that's out there and the scope that's out there because it's not something fun to talk about. And people don't want to, uh, they kind of close their mind or their, their eyes and their ears because it is a yucky thing. It's not a dinner conversation topic, but it's important. And it's important that we get ahead of it. And it's important that we are there to help restore and the healing of those who have experienced it. So uh, both Mike and I have been in youth ministry for a long time. So our hearts really beat for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife uh, has experienced, uh, you know, a, a uh, an assault that happened to her when she was 18 years old. Um, I'm on the husband's side of having to, you know, especially, I mean, I believe that the Lord has done a tremendous work in my wife's life. But I still had to walk through a lot of hard conversations and I was and I was just barely 19, 20, 21 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And all the fears that come, you know, you talk about the suicide type thing that 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 follows a lot of this. If it's not just a one-time event, it's that what you're walking through constantly and it affects everything. It affected my wife's uh you know, you, you can have trauma that causes you to miss your period. You know, you could literally, whether or not you were pregnant or not, the thought comes in your mind. Add to that that my my wife was a, was a uh, a pastor's daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it's like it's it's even more magnified in the church. How do you go about doing this um, and and walking through this? And everybody's got their their level of not wanting to hurt their family. And I can't tell, and I can't, you know. Um, and yet, it's far more common. In fact, the vast majority of it, I think, doesn't get reported. And, oh, yeah. and so, you know, from a husband perspective, I had to, and, and I, it was a good thing I went through Bible college. I knew Jesus and I knew Jesus could heal people. And I knew that there, there is a life after these things. God uses the things that the devil means for evil. God, God means them for good. It's actually in my wife's life, I watched her be able to touch people girls in our youth ministry with the love of Jesus in a way that I could never touch them uh, or, or minister to their needs. Um, and and I, I, I know that God takes all of our pain and his, our wounds and he, he, he actually, you know, I think a lot of times we think, why does God permit? And God's, God doesn't want these things to happen to us. Right. But when they happen, he still means to use that to help other people. So I thank you first off for letting God use your story, you know, and letting and 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 going to the Lord for healing, mm-hmm. you know. But I I just want to I just want to talk about what you brought up, Alyssa, as far as prevention mm-hmm. because alcohol was part of your story. Prevention, you know, I was I was always talking to kids, look, don't fool around with hormones. <laughs> don't fool around with drugs. Don't fool around with alcohol. I know it may be a common thing, but you know, it's one thing when you're a kid, it's nothing when you're a parent. When you're a parent, you're like, no, you know, because you've seen the pain of it. So talk a little bit about prevention mm-hmm. and and what is it that not today is saying as far as, hey, protect yourself. Make sure, you know, what what are you guys telling young people? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have prevention education is a big thing that's out there in the con- or in the state right now and across the country. There's a lot of great programs that are going into K-12 schools 
and helping with a prevention education program. One of the things I just learned is that in that prevention education program, that's where a lot of kids are um, self bringing, bringing it forward and self-diagnosing kind of what happened and telling an adult for the first time. Because yeah. either A, they didn't know that this was abnormal. They've been sexually abused their whole life and didn't know that they weren't supposed to be, or suddenly something triggers and they realize I've never told anybody about this and I need to tell somebody about this. So we believe in prevention education and we believe that every child should be have access to this in their school, but not just children, adults too. There's a lot of adults. I have three kids that are ages 13 down to 10 and, and there's a lot of adults that don't realize what access kids have to things on the internet right now and technology, social media, all of that. So how can we get in front of parents and educate them what they need to look for and what are the apps and what are the dangers and what are the warning signs. And so that's kind of where our, we have a uh, parent and caregiver guidebook that we just launched that I mentioned, and you can download it for free on our website, nottoday.org. And that's free because we want everybody to have access to it. And it's got, um, what are the predator warning signs? What are the red flags in children? What should you be aware of? And then on the back, it's all the hotline numbers. Who can you call? But not only parents and children, we also have healthcare, law enforcement, all of that that we are getting in front of right now. And part of our a big uh, part of our strategic plan for 2022 is to have not only a live training that we can train a church congregation, uh, volunteers, people in law enforcement, education. We've even had a number of uh, healthcare workers come to us and say we're not even trained on what all the warning signs of. Uh, trafficking are. And so how can we create this great training that's housed in one place that everybody can have access to? So that's a major initiative for us. And, and we're partnering with a lot of churches and a lot of major hospitals and healthcare providers and schools, like I mentioned, because we do believe in that. And um, prevention should be a big part of this. You know, we yes, we need to come behind and, and help heal and help restore. But if we can get ahead of it, and yeah, if we amen. can let... Yeah preemptive strength. Right. And yeah. and just letting men and not it's not just men, but letting people know like this is a uh, we no, like this shouldn't even be happening. We need to get ahead of this to prevent and help train people what to even how to redial their minds so that they're not the desire, cut the desire out too. Well, and we have I'm sorry, I, I didn't want oh, to go ahead. No, no, but, but pornography. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <laughs> that's right. That's where I was taking it. I was gonna ask <laughs> well, the question. Yeah. Okay, so I actually in, in Bible college I wrote my my uh, senior paper on we need to teach sex education within the church, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And the vast majority don't hear their church or their pastors say the word sex without blushing. We we need to, and that's to, why to, we started a podcast called <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Sex, and Politics. And, politics. <laughs> and but we need to change that because a lot of people, a lot of our young people, it's not an issue of if your kids are going to see pornography, it's when your kids are going to see pornography. And the pornography goes really, really dark, really fast. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to call like, this is nice pornography. And this is <laughs> no, you know, this, this, the pornography goes to incredibly wicked levels very quickly. I think pornography, it, I, I do believe in freedom. And yet there are those things in society that we permit that are destroying our kids. Mm -hmm. And when kids, boys especially, are learning about sex, they used to learn about it from, you know, in the locker room more, mm -hmm. but now they have access to go learn it from, you know, uh, you know, the, the hardcore sites online. Mm -hmm. They're getting it into their head that this is okay and girls want this. And their lives are also destroyed by it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, you know, where does this this attack? We need to start attacking pornography, mm-hmm. and we need to say this is not acceptable. Um, but how how do we do that? That's a great question. I think as parents, there are a lot of apps and websites out there that you can download on your computers that help uh, track and, and protect. One of them that my husband and I have is Bark. And you can download that. It reads emails. It Like when you take the Wi-Fi off, it still tracks and reads everything. Uh, it can tell you, flag different things and say, hey, parents, this message was just sent to your child or this is a website that's being looked at. And you can track all that. And parents, it is okay to look at all of your kids' cell phone, the messages, mm. the emails, the text messages. That's our yeah. job. Our Preach. job is to protect children. You know, parents I hear who say like, well, we don't want to invade their privacy. Bull like, crap. You don't no. have any privacy <laughs> no. in my house. Yeah. You have zero privacy. I'll pick your freaking door I know. I tried to go to the bathroom at your house once, and there you were just looking at me real weird. I was just like, you weren't supposed to tell that story. But yeah, I mean, that's just it. It's like there's even, there's a lot of apps out there and websites where you can download on your computer, and it triggers you when a pornographic website pops up. Or it gives an accountability person. So if it's a husband and you want your wife to know, like it will alert them if there's certain pop-ups or sites that are going to, it blocks things. We have to protect our hearts and our minds, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, so it's taking a stand and saying, I'm going to protect my children. My children are invaluable to me and I have to protect their mind because once that's in your mind, you can't get it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it comes from parents just being willing to take a stand and say, it's my job to protect my child and I'm not going to allow them to have access to it. And then my husband the other day described it to me like cocaine, right? Like you almost have to to give your child little bits and pieces of that freedom and that access at a time because if suddenly they go to college and all the restrictions are off, it's like that, like, bam, they get exposed one time and that addiction is there. So how can we also give our kids little bits of freedom and, you know, ex- let them have little bits and pieces as they're growing up under our guidance and care where we can have conversations with them and let them know ahead of time, like, there are things out there that are like this. You may have a friend that will open up a laptop or a phone and show you something and you have to be aware that this is out there and be uh, have self-control enough to say, I don't want to see that. I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. And so teaching our kids ahead of time, like, mm-hmm. there's going to be things out there and you're going to be exposed mm-hmm. to it. So how do I walk you through that to have that self-control and yeah. the awareness? before it happens. Yeah. So, you know, you just basically said, you know, my, my, uh, my father-in-law with all of his love that he had, he had three girls for, with all of his love he had for his girls, he tried to protect them from everything. They had no real ability to make smaller decisions while they Mm -hmm. were in his house. They were pretty, uh, you know, uh, protected and sheltered when this, it happened to to my wife, she was in college, right? And it was, now there's nobody to look out for her except for her. And all that freedom hit at one time. And, you know, I would never say any girl asked for it. I would never say that, but she put herself in a bad situation where something could take place. Mm -hmm. And well, lo and behold, it did, you know? And as, uh, you know, I've got an 18-year-old daughter now who's, you know, I, I adore her and I've done everything I can to protect. And kids still seem to go, well, even with your protection, I want to go and see. And mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's frightening to us as parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and yet that's the conversation that we need to be having constantly. Um, the, the, uh, 
the the whole thing with phones and selfies and what is the culture within their apps that they're using because whatever apps there are today and as wicked as they are they'll be more wicked tomorrow mm-hmm. and and they're always trying to get girls to take off their clothes they're always trying to you know uh you know everything is body image and mm-hmm. so these kids are fighting for this in their mind i i want to be beautiful i need people to tell me i'm beautiful so you know you you get into some really dangerous things, both on the on the on on our daughter's sides and on our son's side, because you get into to peddling child pornography mm-hmm. real quick when you take a picture of an, a naked minor, mm-hmm. and that can be devastating to your future. So I know you're doing it for for girls. You're out there trying to help girls make better decisions. What are you doing for guys? How how does it how's it working so we can help our sons avoid this stuff? Because we love our sons. Like we love our daughters, you know? Yeah. I have a son. He's nine. He's the youngest of three, and he's got two older sisters. So we're having conversations constantly about respecting girls and, and things like that. But, um, you know, we're not doing enough. There's actually, and I have some some data here that I can read to you, but um, one in six boys are actually sexually abused too. Mm. And oh. yeah, and it's one, not just girls. Right. It's oh. one in four girls and one in six boys. And a lot of these boys that are sexually abused, if they don't, if we don't intervene and get help, they turn around and they can sexually abuse. And that's where the cycle continues. Yeah, abuse, yeah, yeah. those that are abused yeah, abuse hurt, others. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt, hurt people. people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the images too that are out there, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, we're not doing enough. And, and that's a great question to bring back for me to bring back to my organization and say, what can we do to help support boys? Um, again, I think a lot of it comes back to educating parents on how to have conversations and um, men having conversations with your sons about how to respect a woman and how to respect a woman's mm-hmm. uh, body and their boundaries and also educating themselves to not have the desire to go look at those images as well. And as a church, I think we need to also rally around these parents to give them um, opportunities to come into a safe place and have these conversations. So if it's a father-son opportunity or a father-daughter opportunity to talk about how you are beautifully created in God's image. And it, you know, that's where we're finding a lot of these girls that are becoming trafficked and sexually exploited online with images. It is exactly what you said, because they're being isolated right now. They have low self-confidence and they found that it, by taking an image of themselves or a video and they put it out there, you have all of these people that are watching online that are saying, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Can you send me another image? I love what you look like. I love what you do to yourself. And that's what's happening. And that's what's starting it. And then suddenly they have that gratification, that edification that they're looking for. Yeah. There's something um, about likes that there, yeah. there's a, um, there's a psychological effect to to, to likes mm-hmm. when on you post something and you're wanting this affirmation to come back and, right. and they're doing that for views and likes and it's 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 as twisted and messed go, up. Go into politics and then you get all the mean faces, right? <laughs> then you're like, oh good, I only got 50 mean faces today. <laughs> all right, that's, that's good. I think I wanted to do a selfie when we first got in here. So I was like, oh. <laughs> well, we well, killed that. Yeah, right. There's another one that I wanted to tell you too. So since the pandemic, the Polaris Project reported that the number of sex trafficking online situations is up by more than 45%. And sexual abuse material online in 2020 was up 28% from the year before. And that's uh, 21.7 million incidences online of material. Wow. Since when? And that was was since 2020. Well, it's up 28%. Because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And well, actually, I'm sorry. That was the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children reported that the number of incidents is up 21%. Um, And I've got another stat here, but... And this is in... 
the United States. Just the United States. So what you're doing for Not Today, and then, you know, Carissa, what you're doing as well, this is all internally focused within our own communities. You know, we, at Life Church, we just, we partnered with Project Rescue, and they, they rescue sex, uh, slaved, uh, enslaved women in India. Yeah, and, and, and Europe, and now we're going to Africa. It started in India. We're, we're in 10 countries now. Wow. And, uh, and we think sometimes it's like, oh, it's just over there. Oh, but, it's over there. But yeah. Frank and Linda, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they say the Super Bowl is oh, the God. most— Number one night for sex trafficking mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's awesome that they saw that. They're seeing that. And they're like, how can we stop this wickedness, this evil? And it's literally—we went Indianapolis. When the Super Bowl came to Indianapolis, that was like headline news. It's like mm-hmm. all the sex traffickers are coming, you know, like— what protect you know protect the women protect the girls and you're like what we uh in, in, yeah. in Indianapolis yeah Pastor Mike uh, at our Eagle Creek campus was telling me that while we were you know we're, we're doing uh, talking about Project Rescue and and all of that and sex slavery continents away he's got a family in his front row mm. and those kids were being trafficked mm-hmm. and he came wow. to find out later wow. you know yeah. I mean this is. This this is a global problem, yeah. yeah. And we they might do it with a little bit more high tech, mm-hmm. um, you know, here in America. But but ultimately, there's a hard issue mm-hmm. that that says that you really don't value. You know, we we don't realize that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We allow somebody else to set our value, mm-hmm. and and then when you get that pain, and then you lose your value in your eyes, and you think God has also lost value for you, which could never happen, mm-hmm. right? Now you begin to self-destruct. And now, and that's why so much of sex trafficking then ties in with the drugs, mm-hmm. because then you start to try and deal with the pain of what you're feeling. We don't go to Jesus to get healed and delivered and, and set free. Instead, now we're going to, you know, something that's gonna make us forget our pain for just a little bit. And and it just it just continues to snowball, and the, and the drug use leads to you know we've got um, ladies that have come from incredible opioid addiction. A lot of them have come through a season of prostitution in their life because it's just feeding the whole mm-hmm. thing. If we don't get down and deal with not just the 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 issue, but the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can add to that, mm-hmm. if that's okay, please. Um, yeah. I feel um, there are so many situations that, you know, people can get into a a bad situation. You know, with my sister, it was, she was walking outside in Carmel. Oh my goodness. Best place to raise a family, right? right? And it happened in broad daylight. She was not using drugs. She was not doing Mm. anything wrong. She was riding her bike. Wow. Um, In my situation, you know, I, through God walking me through, you know, if I wouldn't have drank and taken care of myself, maybe I could have avoided that situation. Maybe I couldn't have. I mean, I could have probably fought back if I wasn't, you know, so intoxicated. Yes. Still, what happened to me is not. Doesn't okay. justify. Right. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then my mom, she came from like a very abusive home and she was molested mm-hmm. and her hers wasn't her fault. She came from an abuse. So there's so many different situations. And I always go back to knowing, you know, if we, if we can't prevent it or if we can knowing like our identity in Christ. And that's such an easy thing to say, but I think when you've like one thing that 
really opened my eyes was after the assault, I was like, how did this happen? How was I treated so badly, worse than you would treat your dog, right? I was treated like trash. I was paraded. They did horrible things to me, and then they mocked me and laughed at me. It was, you felt like so bad about yourself. And then I was, I felt like I was almost like a, you know how you feel something, like you know something. And I just felt like God was whispering. I was with you the whole time. I was next to you crying. I was telling you, I love you over and over and over as it was happening. I never left you. And remember, what have you been telling? What's your internal dialogue? And I was like, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I mean, my internal dialogue was probably way worse than what those boys could have done to me. Wow. So I think if we can get to the root of things, we can't maybe solve everything, and I would love to, but bad things in this world, we live in a sinful world. And if they happen, I would love to wrap my arms around those people and help them find healing yeah. because I was definitely a statistic. I mean, yeah. um, I was a nationally uh, ranked athlete and then lost my identity when I got hurt and couldn't swim anymore. So then I went down this partying phase Mm -hmm. and then after I was assaulted, then I went way down. I mean, I probably did everything you're not supposed to. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, becoming very sexually active to where I could control the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you just have to always get back to the root and that's God's love for you. Mm -hmm. It really is the the, the answer is the gospel. Yes. I mean, it's, it's how, it's how Jesus feels about you. You know, you were worth dying on the cross for if it was you and you alone. Yeah. You know, and and that and that uh, you know, something like this, it's not the the thing that that is meant to define you, but right. but what the Lord says, that's it's interesting too because um, there's a power in the Father's voice to say you're lovely mm-hmm. for a girl to believe that, and that you are valuable, and I need to protect you, and you know, they, they typically say that there's a lot of girls that they, you know, when they, when they don't have a good relationship with their dad. Yeah. One, I was going to pro- say prom- that. I was thinking that. Yeah. Promiscuity is mm-hmm. something where they go out to find some man that will tell them that they're lovely. Right. And so it's, you know, I, I remember when I was doing youth ministry before I had a daughter and I, I, I knew that statistically girls that don't have dads will fall into their, the, they are open to attack from the enemy. And I thought to myself, I'm always, when I get a daughter, mm-hmm. I'm going to hug her all the time. And I'm going to love her when she's a little girl. I'm going to love her. I'm going to, I'm going to speak life over her. And then the thing comes when she becomes a teenager and she starts to get breasts, then you're like, can I still do that? And you got to keep doing it. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't let any of that scare you away. That's still your little girl. And you wrap your arms around them and keep telling them their value. And really when the gospel does is the gospel comes in to the broken girl and says, you are lovely. You know, you, you are, you are not what they say. And it's the father's voice. Once again, trying to come back to the heart of the issue and, and address it to say, this is what you were worth. You were worth dying on the cross for, you know? Carissa, can I ask a question? It's mm-hmm. a little bit harder question. So you said it earlier, and I, I I hear this a lot from people who've gone through bad things, terrible things. And you said Jesus was there with you the whole time. I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. But the question is, if he was there, why didn't he stop it? And how do you, how did you walk through that? Because that had to have been a, 
kind of this wrestle in your mind where you're like, Lord, if you were right there, why didn't you defend me? Why didn't you stop this from happening? You could have. Mm-hmm. You're all powerful. Yeah. Why, like what? Take us through that process. Cause I'm sure that process. Because I'm sure that is very typical when someone goes through these bad things. Like, Lord, where were you? And I think I hear that a lot from you know. I have really close friends that aren't believers, and then I have friends that are believers, and um, you know, you try to explain to your children because you want them to know. And you know, that was a journey of. A long time because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So um, I kind of learned all this on my own and I always knew it was there, but that, that took a lot of time to realize that. And I probably didn't know that until like 15 years later. Wow. Um, but I just, I know he was there and I believe that God is good and he, everyone has free will mm. and there's sin in the world. And he is a God of miracles and he's a, he's a healer and he's a teacher and he's a comforter. And I have to believe if he allowed it to happen and did not intervene, then he will use it for my good and he will use it for his glory and he'll use it for others. And if he can use me, then my goodness, he can, he's a miracle worker because I was a hot mess. (laughs) Well, and well, there's the miracle. I'm glad, yeah. glad you said that yeah. because we do pray for miracles. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. on the flip side of of an abuse or the flip side of any tragedy, the miracle is you're here and that you love the Lord and mm-hmm. that and that he did not yeah. abandon you. That's a miracle. It is you a know, miracle. Your, your story is a miracle. Would you be walking, you know, it'd be interesting when we get to heaven to ask this question, would you <laughs> be walking with the Lord today the way you are Mm-mm. Had you, yeah, so you're, you're shaking no. your head. No, you don't. Think if that. I would have had everything perfect go in my life, if I would have, would have gone on and swam in the Olympics or in Division One school, if I would have, you know, I have a son with special needs, if I haven't walked through that, if I hadn't gone through this situation, mm. then I couldn't have been there for my sister. Mm. Um, right. And I would, I would do anything for That's her. That's awesome. So. Um, talk a little bit about um, your okay the fight that you have right now, Carissa, in the legislature. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a fight; it's more just like making legislators aware of what's going on. But you, you're coming up to this interesting thing called the uh, statute of limitations. Um, in your sister's case, I mm-hmm. believe you were walk, you were telling me a little bit about that, and and that there's time, there's a time frame mm-hmm. for the people who did this to her. Right, there has to be justice brought within this window. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't happen within this window, then they're never going to be brought to justice. Right. You're working to change that and and kind of explain that to the listeners today. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty new at all this. Um, I wasn't the greatest student in school. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. It's <laughs> kind of the class clown. Um, but um, in my in my sister's case, and I think the status quo right now in Indiana, because we're going to start in Indiana because we live there. I would love to go nationwide. So bring it on. Um, so in her case, if you're a minor, you have 10 years. If you're under 18, whether you're two to bring it to the authorities, to bring it to authorities and prosecute, take it to court. You have 10 years, no matter how old you are under 18. When you're an adult at 18 or older, you have seven years, um, to prosecute. And then in a civil case, I think you only have one to two years. And Indiana actually has a longer time frame. I think we're talking about this out in the hall. Um, a lot of other, there's 30, I think there's 36 states that 
that have a statute of limitations and then the other ones don't. So you could prosecute whenever, which okay. is great um, in a situation that I would think would be appropriate because I obviously don't advocate for false accusations. I, you know, I believe in our justice system. I know that, you know, everyone has a right to a fair trial. Um, but I think a way that we can get um, senators and representatives and anyone else in government to stand behind us on this is if we could pull from DNA or if we have video or something like that. Yeah. So my hope would be I would love for churches or communities to kind of and families, you know, we need to have a conversation with our children and raise them up and talk about these things, um, you know, talk to our sons and our daughters. And um, and then also, um, I just lost my train of thought. Don't you hate it when you do that? Well, and you were saying, okay, so t talking to legislators and senators. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So telling them what to do. Um, when, if this happens, what you do. So you want to tell someone immediately and you want to get that DNA immediately and get to the hospital, have that rape kit. And then if there was a way that we could put that DNA in a database and then hopefully that girl or boy, um, goes through whatever they need to go through for healing, counseling, um, whatever that person needs. And if they want to prosecute, it's there. If they're not ready, I would love to be able to tap into that if that person wants to. Definitely. So kind of whenever they could be 90 years old and, you know, just so, I mean, yeah. Can, can I ask a question just uh, because I'd just like to know the argument. What mm -hmm. would be the argument behind making sure that we keep a statute of limitations? Well, this is what we were talking yeah, about we on were the talking phone about the other that. day. Because yeah. and, and if I can just clarify that lead, that's a leading mm -hmm. question. Because guys like Nathan and I, we always go to we don't trust Due government. Process. Yeah, we, we don't, don't trust and government. I, process. And I don't yeah. either. Yeah. So I totally yeah. Agree. So statute of limitations is there to protect those who could falsely be prosecuted, and the system could work against them. And Ben Franklin said, "I'd rather see a hundred guilty go free than one innocent man uh, found guilty and, and thrown in jail." So our system is stacked in favor of the accused for a reason. So we got to somehow protect that. But at the same time, we, I mean, Nathan and I, as, as fathers of little girls, mm -hmm. uh, we also want to give a beat down of a lifetime to the guys who would right. be doing something like they did to you. So It's such a hard, I don't know, it's such a hard, I mean, we can't do everything perfectly. I think there's a, if there's a way to have balance and to have a conversation and to make the best you know, out of this situation that's going to work because we do have a system that's imperfect. We do have areas that we need to improve on. I don't want to give a whole lot to the government. I want, you know, I do believe in us, you know, making choices for ourselves and, and things like that's that. That's a novel thought, by the way. <laughs> freedom. freedom. Could you imagine? Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's a conversation that I would be open to because I'm not saying I know everything. Yeah. I just, I, that's why I'm throwing the DNA in there. Yeah. That if she can go there immediately and get that DNA, because one, we know that rarely is anyone ever prosecuted. Is it one in three, one in six that it happens to? And then probably less than 1% that ever get prosecuted. Mm. So well, I, I would... I, 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 here's a, here's a, okay, so from... I'm, I, I love justice. Okay. I'm a big justice person. Like I, I, I think that we ought to severely punish. I think part of our problem is what happens after 
all the investigations done and it goes to our courts and our courts do not give us justice. I would like to see like unbelievable penalty for rape and molestation. I would like to see castration. I would like to see <laughs> I really, honestly, you, you absolutely yeah. chemical castration. Yeah. I would absolutely like to see that. I would like to see, um, especially with molestations of, of, of kids, obviously, I think we need to punish lawbreakers so that the fear of God rests in the rest of society. Mm-hmm. Because when these people can get off with nothing, mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, or, or just a slap on the wrist, right? Yeah. Like it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and we've done this. We, we've devalued human life through abortion. We've, we, we allow murderers to go free way too easy. Um, their families pay for the rest of their life, but they 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 don't pay heavily. We've gotten rid of capital punishment, which capital punishment was designed to make you afraid to mm-hmm. break the law, right? You go back to the old west, you could you could be hung for stealing somebody's horse, and the reason was is because if you left them out in the desert and you stole their horse, they could die. Mm-hmm. Right. But there we've we've allowed the, you know, just uh, the, the minimizing of of crime. And then what do we have? We have you. You basically said we live in a I thought I think you said it very eloquently. You know, we, we live in a society. It just seems to get worse. That's exactly what the Bible says. Evil people will wax worse and worse. How do we change this unless. There's also that legal side where our judges and our court systems do justice. Our police bring them in. They do all the good work, nail these people to the wall so people become afraid to do wrong Mm -hmm. in the United States. I mean, our jails are like Ritz Charles's, uh, (laughs) you know, compared to, you know, some of the jails around the world. But I think about it in this in the sense of. Uh, so people were saying in 2020 as a pastor, hey, there's pastors in Canada that are getting thrown in jail mm-hmm. uh, for keeping their churches open during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Are you afraid of going to jail, Mike? And I would be like, our jails? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Get three meals a day, have a nice have a nice place to sleep, rest. Nobody's bothering me. <laughs> like, I, like, honestly, that's that was the thought that went through my head. I was like, oh, my gosh, like. Compared to what Paul was going through, this is this is cake, right? But that what kind of what you're saying is we've treated our lawbreakers so so well that they're not afraid to break the law. They go out, they get out, and they just do it again. It's kind of like the Andy Griffith show. What uh, who was that guy who was always uh, he, Otis? He, Otis. He always needed a place to sleep, and so he'd break the law because because <laughs> they'd give him a place to sleep, right? He was homeless, and it was like. And, and he wasn't homeless. He was the town drunk. Okay. He's town so drunk. when he got drunk, he would come lock himself in jail and then he'd unlock himself the next day. <laughs> but I mean, I laugh. It, we, it's so ludicrous and, and ridiculous, but that's kind of what's happening is we aren't treating lawbreakers with the severity that is deserved. And I think, I think when we do that, you're one, you're, you're protecting society, like Nathan said, but two, you're actually honoring God in so doing, most people think, oh, man, the death penalty, that is so ungodly. We could never do that. It's like, no, actually, that's God honoring. And we minister to those on death row. We say, hey, this is not going to be the end. We want you to come to know Jesus, just like the thief on the right. You Today, you could be with Christ in paradise. There is a, there's hope for you, too, even though you're going to see the consequences of your sin and your law breaking. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you, and it deserves to. 
and society needs it too. But hey, praise God, God still loves you too. And and there could be, but if we have that mindset, then you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, like even in the consequences mm-hmm. of the lawbreaker, God is still good to them too. It, but we think, oh man, we got to treat them with kid gloves. And then we're shocked when they go back out and they and do re-offend. it again. Mm-hmm. And reoffend. Yeah, it's like, oh, what's going on? And and so so I think I think you're onto something, Chris. I, I I would love to follow your journey. I know you said that um, uh, you've got people that have kind of reached out and said that they're going to help you within the legislature, and and you're going to be kind of walking this journey We're a little bit. We're slowly moving, and yeah. I'm. Am I allowed to name drop, even if it's not? Sure. Why they're not? probably not listening. Gonna, you know, I know who you're, I know who you're gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's, she's not listening. I'm sure. <laughs> a good friend of mine who is a Navy SEAL. He had dinner with um, Holcomb's wife, and Janet, so yeah. he said she's all in. So cool. Janet, come on, yeah. <laughs> help us I, out. If she's listening, uh, hello, uh, Madam First Lady. Um, uh, we really don't hate your husband. Uh, I know we rip on him quite a bit, but. We, we love you both. <laughs> we would love for anyone to help um, navigate because I think it's going to take a lot of people and a lot of supporters. And I think, you know, survivors are going to help us. I, you know, we, um, I'm trying to have another podcast I was asked to go on tomorrow. I just hope that we get the word out yeah. and enough people. Hopefully we get some traction. Is there, is there a place? So I know, um, you know, we've got to wrap up here, but yeah. I know, uh, Alyssa, you were talking about where to contact, not today. Carissa, do you have any place that people can jump to? Like they find you obviously on Facebook or whatnot, but yeah. like, you know, where, where can people go if they just want to say, Hey, how do I, how do I help Chris? And yeah, her, they can, you can Facebook me. I'm on Facebook yeah. under Caressa Seekman or Caressa Kambelik Seekman. Uh, message me. Um, we do have a petition out, that's out there. If we could put it in your notes. Yeah, um, sure. Because it's kind of a long, um, link. long you know, yeah. link. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they can get on and sign our petition. And if anybody wants to reach out to me at all, I'm happy to talk to anyone and everyone because I am I have been Maybe, talking to some what's people. What's your email if you wouldn't mind sharing yeah, that? Yeah, it's carcombell, C-A-R-C-O-M-B-E-L-L at gmail.com. Cool. You should start a Facebook group. I will. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. So Alyssa, uh, closing notes on your end too. What, what can people do to get involved and what would you like people to take away from uh, Not Today and how do they help your organization uh, even spread the word even more? Yeah, so we have, if you text the word NOT, K-N-O-T, to 55433 or go, or go to nottoday.org, we have all kinds of things we're doing right now. We're working with um, the ICAC, which is Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force uh, in the state of Indiana and several different locations. We're trying to help raise money for them because they are purchasing, uh, we have actually two different locations in Indiana, purchasing a mobile forensic unit. And so when... Um, children are inside of a home that's being investigated and they're able to pull devices out and immediately in this mobile forensic lab uh, find images and find ways that they can prosecute them. They can pull the children out immediately rather than months later when forensic items come through. So we're You were telling me about the dog. Talk oh, about yes. talk about the dog. Oh, my this gosh. is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And if you go to our, our Facebook page or our Instagram, Twitter page, Not Today Foundation, we have a canine dog. His name's Hunter, and he's amazing. He's one of 60 dogs in the United States that is trained to actually detect the electronics. Like, it's like the fluid in the electronics. They can smell those. And so they bring them into these uh, houses that they're looking for evidence, and they go around. They can find these little SIM cards. So like, it's like this yeah. right yes. here. Like, so a, like, like a fingernail like, size. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they 
People mm. hide these in all kinds of crazy places inside of fake coins, vents, plants, water bottles, freezers, and these wow. dogs can find them anywhere. Wow. And so our dog Hunter can go in on and help find devices and then they can search those devices and there's really expensive technology they could hack into these devices and find all these images and videos and all of that. So the the process of rescuing children and prosecuting these predators is so much faster. It expedites the process. And so we actually just produced a little stuffed animal canine that resembles our hunter canine. You can um, purchase those. We have a buy one, give one going on where not only can you purchase one for you, but we will give one to a child rescued out of a situation immediately. So they have yeah. a safeguard with them, um, with their hunter dog. So yeah, so we're partnering with law enforcement on ways like that. Uh, we're having our first annual bowling event to fundraise money in April. We're really excited about that. We're just, we're also working. You're going to bring in how many celebrities to that? Well, we'll see how many. I don't know. I mean, obviously we're tied with the Colts. And so our goal would be to have NFL players and Colts and coaches there as well. There's 70 lanes. So you're and trying to get a celebrity at every lane? We'll see. I, I mean, well, you got, you, the, Jesus, the Jesus sex of politics guys could like, you know, help you out. That's if right. you really, really needed somebody, you know. Who are you or yeah. for Jesus sex of politics? <laughs> That's right. Don't you know me? I mean, come on. We're kind of a... Okay, yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> but, you know, Linda Reich is, is testifying with legislation as well, and so we're raising awareness with legislators. We're working on a House bill for, for trafficking and to hold them accountable. So there's big stuff. You mentioned the Super Bowl. We're actually mm-hmm. part of an alliance of five organizations that go in at each Super Bowl and work with the NFL That's awesome. to set up shop. And like you said, everybody knows the Super Bowl is a high-trafficking area, so mm-hmm. we're going to be there, boots on the ground, raising awareness rescuing children, these girls out of these situations and mm-hmm. um, just helping with. There's all these five of these organizations have a, something different, unique that they bring to the table that they do. And um, yeah, so there's awesome. all kinds of you things. Know, you know what I love about the Hunter, the dog story and and that mobile unit you're raising money for, It's it, it, it allows for due process quickly and uh, efficiently because you, you were telling me that if they, if they got the devices, they'd have to take them back to the lab sometimes could take months yeah. to get an arrest warrant. So what what happens is we we don't want to we don't want to go around the arrest warrant because the arrest warrant there is there for a reason. The right. judge has to sign off yeah. on that because the judge is the elected official. If the judge is corrupt and he's arresting people that shouldn't be arrested, we can we can get them out of office. We, we can mm-hmm. replace them with somebody else, right? So what this will do is it will allow the investigators to instantly be able to uh, look at the device, send the, the info to the judge. The judge then can electronically look it over and within probably 30 minutes, give an arrest warrant to that person. So you don't have to wait for two months to get this person. You can get them off the streets right away and they're still due process. It's kind of like uh, we were talking about the red flag laws a long time ago with uh, yeah. Sheriff Quakenbush. Yeah. And it's kind of a similar thing. It's when somebody has a gun and they're going to, hurt themselves or others, you can't go in as a sheriff and just take the gun away from them because mm-hmm. that's violating their second amendment right. They haven't done anything mm-hmm. yet. They could do something with it, but they, he was saying, give us the ability to show the judge the information quickly of why this person might be a threat. And then the judge can sign off on it and we can then take action. And yeah. so I love, I think that's a good, like we're protecting freedoms, we're protecting liberty, but at the same time, we're also making sure that justice is served and that people are, are, are we're protecting society too, because that's what government's role is. So I, I yeah. love that. That's, I love, that's great. I love that, uh, that the Colts coach 
is doing something. You know, I, football's a game. <laughs> were you, were you, and, not, are you implying he's not no, like, no, no. he's not, I'm, I, I, football, football, he's not winning or no, something? No, no, no. Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Football is game. And I mean, there's tons of money all, all, you know, surrounding that. But it's a platform. We saw Tony Dungy oh, yeah. use his platform for the glory of God. And I'm mm-hmm. proud of the Colts coach for doing the same thing and his wife. Mm-hmm. What a meaningful thing to do with with your with your um influence and with your notoriety. Yeah. And uh I, I just thank, you know, I just want to thank anybody that would be a part of that. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. You know, this hits so many of our families. And there's got to be people who say, you know what? I love that. I will do that. God use me there. You know, and when you say uh, you're new to this, uh, Clarissa, and <laughs> I would just like to encourage you uh, as a pastor, I'm running into all kinds of things I don't know how to do. And I'm always amazed that God surrounds me by people that do know how to do it. Yeah. And you can use your voice to, you know, to, to bring that up and rally people, but you don't have to have all the gifts. You just have to be willing to let God use you. And, uh, and he will, you'll, you'll see a level of success. You, you never imagined possible. And that's the way that God gets glory for things. God, uh, he really likes to get glory and, 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 and he's willing to use us if we're willing to say, Hey, I'm broken, but if you'll fill me, if, if, if you'll take what my story is, boy, the Lord does a lot of great things out of mm-hmm. broken people. I love that Frank yep. and Linda are doing what they're doing with the Colts. And But we were joking when I was meeting with Alyssa uh, a few days ago. And it's like they've got as, I think, strategically placed them around the country in a lot of roles within the NFL for this. I mean, this is probably the greater cause. I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to hit the, Frank and Linda are going to get to heaven someday and people won't be talking to them about their, their record, their NFL record. They'll be talking to them about you rescued me from the grips of slavery. The Lord got a hold of me. God used you to, to get a hold of me. And that's going to be awesome. But in this world right now, you know, one of the things I just, I remember thinking, it's like, man, it, it would be, it, you know, as a Colt, as a, as a Colts fan and as a coach, you want, you want to win. Right. But if he's winning and staying in the same city all this time, he wouldn't have been spreading this, you know, this. So I, I kind of am almost like, okay, Lord, how can we pray that they win a lot, <laughs> but yet they're still able to go across the nation? Because, you know, typically when Colts don't, Colt, uh, coaches don't do well, they get fired and go to other cities, right? And so we don't want that to happen necessarily for the Colts' sake, but we also know for the kingdom, we want this to spread all around the nation yeah. as best as possible. So. And as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I would like to say that. <laughs> I would like to say that also our coach, Mike Tomlin, has mobilized the Steelers on this particular issue. Did you know that? I did not. The Steelers, I think they, they, uh, they're they battling sex slavery, and so we call them the, hey. the, the sex slave Steelers. Come on. And, uh, and so, Look at that. Um, but, you know, hey, shut up no, and let me get no, my Steelers No, this is not this. about the Steelers. It's about the Colts. It's about the stinking <laughs> issue, okay? <laughs> It's we, we want, America, we want you to know the Colts are better at this issue than the Steelers are. You know, I will say one of the things that Frank and Linda have a vision of is really because of, of they have traveled and been a part of lots of different uh, NFL teams and organizations. We want to take this 
to all of those yeah. uh, different teams and cities that they do have connections with. And that's, yeah. so we don't want them to leave Indiana now, but the good thing is, is they've come from multiple different places where they have roots grown in. Uh, so we will be, we're going to be teaming up with teams and cities across the nation and starting to spread this and take this and, and be thinking of, you know, what can we do right here in Indiana and then replicate that to these different communities and just support where we can. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It well, sounds thank like you. Frank yeah. and Linda need to Invite us over for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) They are amazing people. That's That's awesome. Uh, Well, Well, guys. Once again, thank you for all you're doing. Yes. And uh, just keep letting letting the Lord lead you and keep keep fighting. Yeah. Thank you. That's the only way that we're going to make a difference in the world is. 10,000 years from now, we're going to look back and we'll be like, wow, wasn't it cool to see how God used your story, how God used your organization, how God used many of us to to fight for, for truth and this, and to rescue many people who are hurting and, and in the clutches of the enemy right now. So it's going to be, we're going to be talking about this for many thousands of years. I'm Amen. sure. So, Amen. yeah, well, Hey, this has been Jesus, sex and politics. I'm Micah and I'm Nathan. And we talk about all the things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That scares the crap out of me. <laughs> we'll see you next time.